Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Untitled Film Project podcast, where this week we talk about the series Andor on Disney+. Plus, A series that shows us what would lead up to the movie Rogue One, and what does a rebellion look like, and what people are willing to sacrifice to take down the Empire. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now, the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or, or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! There is a lot there to talk about in this series that I think went in a whole new direction as far as uh, the Disney series. Ish got real, like <laughs> they did with Rogue One. And for that, my initial take was I I want more of the Disney universe, at least on Disney Plus or, you know, or the Star Wars universe, to go in this serious direction. They finally brought some serious actors. They brought some great dialogue in from writers and memorable scenes that I think I'm going to hold on to for a long time. And I think there's award-winning stuff from a Star Wars series. And I don't think that's happened before. I don't think it's been worthy of it. Top three Star Wars project ever for me. Wow. Instantly into the top three. One of the best Star Wars ever made up there with Empire and Rogue One. But those are my top three. And Andor is right up there with it because the exploration of character, story, sacrifice. Again, that's why I love Rogue One because of the mm-hmm. sacrifice. You see how the sacrifice is being made for the greater good you're seeing the development of this in Andor. And while the first couple episodes are really a lot of setup and can be slow, like we've probably established and everybody knows with series on Disney Plus, first two episodes, it's a lot of setup, but you need movies have setup. If you look at this as a long movie, okay, this is not a long movie. This is a TV series that does a very good job of every episode giving you a couple inches of the story and the plot and character development and building it and building it and building it to the ultimate scenes that we have, whether it's the prison escape or the rebellion starting on Ferrix. Or we a get, heist. Or, or, yes, or a heist. We, we get so much of this throughout the entire series that I didn't know what to expect next or what was to expect because we know the ending of Cassian Andor. We know where he meets his demise and what happens to it. But there's so much to the character and those around him that develop him and the rebellion. And what I love about it, while the series is named Andor, we get so much from so many other characters in Star Wars with this series to where I'm almost thinking maybe they shouldn't have called it Andor, but I'm, I'm okay that they did because they needed to have something, the, the hook to connect to something else. Yep. Because remember when this was announced, I was like, why Cassie and Andor? It was one of the most boring, blah, 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 blah. Nobody was hyped up about it. And then all of a sudden we get this and we watch it and we soak it in. We're going, this is some damn good Star Wars. This is what I've been wanting. The rebellion, the war, the spy, the mystery, all these different types of things of yeah. great acting as well on the screen and great plot and great storytelling and building. And it also shows, too, why so many other series that Disney Plus puts out need more episodes yeah. to develop. They rush. They have to rush so many things. And six episodes of stuff, the hell are you telling a full story? If you're really going to expand something, you need time. We see television series whether it could be on HBO or FX or whatever, sometimes you need 16 episodes to do something. I'm so happy that they gave us 
12 episodes to actually be able to have something develop and not feel rushed or want more because it didn't feel holes. It left me wanting more because they developed it so well. Like, well, what's next? There's got to be more. Even though we got that end credit scene, there's still more to the building of the rebellion for this. So I, I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed it. It was beautifully shot. It was beautiful in how it was presented. The music was very different from typical Star Wars. It was raw. It was dark. So many minor chords and so many minor keys presented in this to give you the feeling of darkness presenting itself with the Empire. I love that so much. Overall, just my initial thoughts. Jeremy, take over. Who knew a Star Wars project could be so good without a single lightsaber battle or a single force choke? Yes! (laughs) Amen! And to that point, you don't have to be a Star Wars fan, at least I believe, you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to love this show. It doesn't trade on the Star Wars name or rely on the Star Wars name. Right. Usually it's like Star Wars. I'm going to go see it. Right. It's appointment viewing, so to speak. Sure. This is it says Star Wars and or it's technically the name of the show. But I, I truly believe it could be it could have been called CSI Space and you st- <laughs> and it would still be great. <laughs> Which That's song great. from the who would they use? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, I, I couldn't agree more that you're, you're right. So I. I will admit that while I was watching the series through this throughout the series, you know, episode four or five, whatever it was, I remember thinking, "Oh, I don't think my wife would care." Like, I, like you know, she's a Star Wars fan, but not like a diehard fan like I am. And so mm-hmm. I think she'd be like, "Yeah, okay, it's a show." But now that it's over, it's like, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> There's so much more value. It's almost misleading to have yeah. Star Wars in the title to have it be a Star Wars show because you don't get a lightsaber battle. You don't get some sort of force sensitivity. You don't necessarily, you don't get all these things that are typical of the Star Wars universe. You actually get a real war. Ground. Yeah. You get I mean, war. You, yeah, you get war, you get spycraft. You're right. And this is, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, but this is something where you could say, I haven't seen any star. Somebody's been, you know, living in a shelter underground for 60 years and they know nothing about the star wars universe they could watch this from start to finish and need to know nothing that's like right. brendan frazier and blast in the past <laughs> yes yes <laughs> wow <laughs> that is a horrible reference you set me up for i know it. i did holy Thank smokes you. i i hate myself as much as i hate you for making me you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on track after a blast from the past reference. Thank you. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's first exchange with Stellan Skarsgård is fire. Mm-hmm. It's so great. It's almost a cameo, right. even though there's a lot of dialogue. It's not like a guy walks to the screen, says one thing, and leaves. But the the return of Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera is just so good. Hopefully, uh, this is going to get the second season that it deserves it has oh yeah it has to they didn't build those sets for one season yeah you're right and and (laughs) it's not shot in the volume it's shot they built sets for this right it's not in that dome with the like real engine animated you know backgrounds and everything this and the whole movie felt real because of that especially in ferrix yeah talk about the just the the lineup of actors uh ones we knew already had chops you mentioned Stellan Skarsgård Forrest Whitaker who's also a great director Diego Luna is a very good actor as as uh, by himself I did not know about Genevieve O'Reilly who plays Mon Mothma I think 
she is one of the quietly underrated characters in here. What mm-hmm. she can say with a quiet sentence in the mm-hmm. back of a taxi is right up there with some of the monologues that were given by people like Andy Serkis, who I also thought just shined in this show, and he gave it all. And when you saw him on the screen, you were not looking away. You were not missing a word he said. Speaking of just the line, the, I can't swim. That's three words. Just, I, him saying and the way he delivers it. And the way he's smiling yeah. because he knows that he helped everyone achieve the goal, yes. knowing all along that he was still going to die. Gut-wrenching. That is gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, and just makes you appreciate the writing for it, the setup, the buildup of this. The also, the Again, the sacrifice. It's all coming down to, in a rebellion like this, when you're going up against an evil empire, it's sacrifice. Not everyone's going to make it. You have to sacrifice something for the greater good to survive. Let's talk about sacrifice because, I mean, obviously it was in the opening of our show. Sacrifice is the theme of this, I think, entire series. The sacrifice of Mon Mothra. She's giving away her daughter for the sake of the rebellion. She's giving her daughter to somebody she despises. They're sacrificing everybody. And every single person, I think, every character in this show was not a person that would do that in episodes two or three or four, but towards the end of this, they have changed and realized I've got to give up something I love in order to make this rebellion happen. Because if I don't, we're done. But also that the rebellion is worth those sacrifices. Yes. It's not like, okay, I have to give up something, so I'll give up something I don't really I care about, but I can kind of live without. These are real-world sacrifices, and it's all because they know, most of them know, that the act, the rebellion itself is worth the sacrifice. Yes. And, and that's a tremendous pill to swallow just for anybody. I think just if you're listening right now, there's, got, there's something that you were like, I would never part with that. But in this particular situation, you'd have to. Would I die for this? Yes. Would I put myself in this situation? Cassian Andor would not at the beginning of this that's series. Right. He has a long process of coming to realize that it is worth fighting for the rebellion. And he has to come to that through a lot of horrific things that happened to him. So there's been a theme in the, in the clip that was played too, Jim, speeches. Yeah. Great speeches mm-hmm. throughout this series, which if, to me... If, did you expect a, a speech in a Star no. Wars movie to be remarkable? No. In the, a good way? No, because typically writing's kind of campy. Yeah. Of, you know, bad one-liners, things like that, which we've accepted in the Star Wars universe of like, oh, well, that's just Star Wars. Bad writing sometimes. But the speeches from Stellan Skarsgård to Nemec's manifesto, mm-hmm. you know, to Marva's rebellion speech as well. Powerful, powerful moments, which is not just speaking on the case of what's going on in Star Wars, but also reflection on society, reflection what we see throughout the world as well. And so I just wanted to read from Nemec's manifesto what was read on there. Oppression is the mask of fear. And know this, the day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance will have flooded the banks of the Empire's authority, and then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this. Try. It's great writing. That's great writing. It is fantastic writing. That's why I put Andor so high. 
because the time was taken to actually develop this properly to give us what we've been wanting for so long, which is great development of writing and true speeches and strong characters that were strong because they were intelligent, they were smart, they were leaders, they were good, they were powerful, they, they realized what sacrifice was. And for to lead a rebellion like that, you need to have powerful speeches. Think of all the different characters we've seen in film that can lead based on the way they speak to people and how they can lead through words, the written word, the spoken word. We got that through Andor. We got written and spoken word that was just powerful and strong. And it takes such good writing to pull that off because these the characters aren't coming up with it. The writers are. This is yeah. fantastic writing. But I would also say I take that into the real world, too. Yeah. Right. Like there are there are world leaders that you can mention right now off the top of your head, dead or alive, that are so great at what they, or were so great or are so great at what they do, whether you agree with their politics or not is not the point. The point is that they are able to give those speeches. Lincoln comes to mind. JFK comes to mind. Martin Luther King comes to mind. Winston Churchill comes to mind. Vladimir Zelensky. I mean, in a totally different way. For sure. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he has... The world's ear. That's right. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, yes, fictional speeches, like, you know, your writers can get in a room, or maybe it's one writer, and they can knock out this great speech and kind of catch lightning in a bottle, and it's really neat. And those other speeches, mostly, the JFK, like, you know, they they have they yeah. have writers. They have presidential, you know, speech mm-hmm. writers on staff. Right. But they're still under the gun. It's still real-world stuff. It's not fictional, you know, right. it's, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis. JFK, when he went on TV to talk about how... Russia was coming over to Cuba, and there was going to be a blockade. He had two different speeches written, mm-hmm. and he had to. And based on what the decision was in the room, he chose speech A or B, and then had to go deliver it to the American people. So, they're yes, they're written, but it's real stakes. That is what life on Earth has been like since the beginning sure. of civilization. That's right. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoyed about Andor is we got to see. A real 3D human within the Empire. So we have uh, Cyril Karn, who just starts out as basically uh, a contractor security guy, right? But he cares about his job. And he eventually, you know, he wants to catch Cassian Andor because he murdered somebody. And then we have Deidre Miro, who is driven Empire investigator and, you know, we see where her motivations are. She's just not this one-dimensional, wearing black character that is the bad hat, you know, villain. Uh, you see, like, what are their motivations, like, within their career? What are uh, Cyril's, you know, home situation with, like, probably, I would say, an abusive mother driving him in so many di- different directions. So I don't think we've ever had a peek into the Empire in that way before this series. I will say between those two characters, please don't give me a romance. Please I, please keep it awkward. One of the things that I I didn't like was when, yes, he pulls her to safety into the close quarters mm-hmm. and you think, oh, are they going to kiss? Please don't kiss. I'm like, don't kiss. Don't Please don't kiss. Don't kiss. It's the death of every it is. almost romance. Yeah, <laughs> but they did the right thing. Yes. They did the right thing there. Now season two, it's like, please don't develop it beyond that. 
Right. Like, just keep it professional or civil, whatever, where maybe he's pining or he's just about his job or there's a play or something behind the scenes, but not a real true romance. I don't want them to be redeemed. I want somebody from Empire (laughs) HR to step in and say, this work relationship is inappropriate. She's on TikTok, by the way, and she goes to cons. Really? And writes HR slips to people at cons. (laughs) That's amazing. And she's based out of Nashville. I forgot oh, what her no TikTok way. name is. Yes. Stop it. She goes to cons and everything. She goes, I'm here with uh, Empire HR, and uh, <laughs> looks like you've been uh, violating the terms of your agreement here with employment. It's fantastic. <laughs> I found this, this article on Collider about things that Andor confirmed are real in the Star Wars universe, and it's kind of interesting to look through. So I'm just going to kind of name some things because we don't think of this because we see smooth pallets, we see metal, we see dirt, sure. but we didn't see bricks before. This is a major talking mm. point amongst so many nerds about bricks. And you think in Ferrix, when somebody dies, they become a brick. And yeah. they built a city with brick. And we see that, and people are like, bricks, there's this one TikToker who's like, bricks don't exist, why are bricks? Exist? Like, dude, are you really going to argue about that? But it's also showing real world things in our world that we see other worlds now utilize. Bricks being one of them. Did that even occur to you guys about bricks? I just thought it was a great no. look of the set design yeah, and ferrics. I, I thought it was like a beautiful tribute to a working class planet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what they're going to do with their dead. I thought, wow, that's really fitting. What a what a tremendous tribute. But, I mean, it also metaphorically works so well that the city is built on the people who have died doing this job. It forms the entire you know, vibe of this planet. Mm-hmm. Instant noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. There's one guy noodles. out of like out of the takeout box <laughs> eating blue noodles. <laughs> it's like, okay, go get the lo mein. Were they, and were make they it boiled blue. in the blue milk? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other one, cereal. He's having milk and cereal cereal and milk. Mm-hmm, blue yeah. milk and cereal. I'm going, okay, so it's funny how they're kind of tying it into human things that we do on Earth, yeah. but making a Star Wars. So it's cereal. But with blue milk. <laughs> I like when he slurped the bowl. Yes. To, to cover over yes. his mom's complaining. Yes. Or, okay, this one is between. I've done that. That's why I like it so much. Is, <laughs> um, antiquing. <laughs> all right. Okay, but it is a thing. <laughs> but, but think of all the Easter eggs we got in that shop. Yeah. Oh, it was a uh, wealth. It was a wealth of Easter eggs where you have to go through and pause it to you just pick out, just like in the ship scene in Rise of Skywalker and just point out all the different ships that are being seen, which I still wish they would have just explored a little bit more. Yeah. But, but this one is the one that plays closest to my heart is what they did with the marching band in the last yes. episode and how they turned those instruments into looking like something otherworldly. But I knew it was a flute. <laughs> I knew it was a tuba. <laughs> I knew it was this or that. But that they have marching bands, not just the unique instruments we see in a cantina band. That right. again, it's taking things that Ferrix probably looks closest to Earth in terms of the people that live there. Mm-hmm. The type of species that lives there is closest to full human that we've seen in Star Wars. So it's the closest thing to developing human things. So seeing musical instruments like that too. We don't get that. We typically get weird alien like instruments. Here we have a flute looking like a flute. So it's just an interesting take. What I want to say in terms of how they made Andor feel more real. And I think I connected more with it that way too, because it wasn't just alien upon alien species that we couldn't connect with that. I felt like I connected more with the people of Ferrix, what they're going through because they felt like real people of earth too. I don't think I realized it subconsciously. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that you mention it, it does feel the most 
like Earth. The long way to get to that point, but that's the point I was trying to make of why the connection is being made and building upon that rebellion, how it starts in small spaces like that. Star Wars has a way to make us feel like a deep either sympathy or whatever feel for droids. Mm-hmm. And B2 EMO might be the greatest example of that. R2-D2 yeah. is funny. He serves a purpose, but he's funny. 3PO is the comedic relief. Uh, you know, but he's like a translator droid, but he, you know, he again, serves a purpose, sure. but he's, you know, uh, Chopper in yeah. Rebels is tremendous. Like, you know, K2SO, we all know, as we talked about him on- One of our favorites. Uh, yeah, on the psychic uh, topic. There's a lot of droids going on. They serve a purpose. They're not one-dimensional, but most of them are comedic relief for what, you know, whatever it is. B, you can feel his grief and his desires, like the, why don't you take me with you? Right. You can feel these every time he's on screen. And that is very hard to do for an inanimate object. But they did it. Do you think the EMO plays into that emotion? I'm sure. Sure. I mean, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just throwing or it out there. Emo, no, that's, a, that's an interesting yeah. but, <laughs> Or emo. You know, it's just... Emo, yeah. yeah. Emotional. Yeah. That's, it's, that's an interesting take. I didn't think about that. I felt a relationship to him, like... Uh, when he couldn't lie mm-hmm. in in one of the first few episodes that like it physically damaged him or put him down for a while to not tell the truth. Yeah. And I th- I've never seen that before in a droid. Yeah. And then and then he's uh, when the the guy who's kind of taking care of him at the end. Yeah. He goes, uh, do you want to come with me or whatever it was just for the night? And he goes, I want Marva. Yeah. Like it's. Again, like those lines on paper, like, you know, okay, they're meant to be, but how, whatever they did with a box on wheels, because that's basically what B is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just amazing to me. The delivery, how, the yes. emotion behind it, because it makes you feel the, the the droid is mourning. But it's not, but see, but <laughs> the human brain is like, it's a robot. Therefore, it shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have the same emotional response to the lines that this box on wheels is delivering. But instead, it's the opposite. I can't get away from it. It's, yeah. I mean, it nearly brings me to tears to think of this droid is grieving because Marva died. And he can't go see Andor. He doesn't know what where Andor is, who he really wanted to be with. And then Andor comes back and gets him and then says mm-hmm. again, you have a very important job, buddy. <laughs> you got to protect these people because mm-hmm. I'm not coming with you. And then he's got to leave him again. So he's this loss after loss, yeah. It's it's just, again, if it was a child, you'd be like, oh, man, it really hits me. It's a freaking droid. Well, and it's <laughs> it's so emotional. Well, and, and I know yeah. it wasn't necessarily the best, but connecting it to the, the regular Star Wars universe in terms of the sequels, we didn't know that C-3PO was going to get his memory restored, but when it is being he's being switched over to the dark side, he's taking one, I'm taking one less look at my friends. But C-3PO looks like a human being. He's humanoid, yeah. That's right. the difference. He's built like he's two. I mean, Anthony Daniels is in the suit, but he's got, but he's <laughs> sure he's head. He's made two arms, box. two legs. This is a box. He's, this that's is talking. a freaking trash can. That's exactly. emotionally connected. To that's it. exactly what I, I well, described him. To. He is a he's a garbage recycling bin. Well, look, hey, look at, look at Wally. Look at how we were able to get emotionally yes. connected to Wally. And he's animated because of, of the way they mm-hmm. could motion his eyes. Yes. you could tell his, his emotion based on his eyes and eyebrows. For a robot. I think that's the number one connection I made. I'm like, the, he is Wally. 
I mean, at least I feel the same way as I did because those small little things mean something to all of us. And let's also talk about B uh, having possibly now the greatest holographic projection right. in history that beats Obi-Wan Kenobi, You're My Only Hope. He projects another great speech mm-hmm. from Marva to lead a rebellion. So, I mean, everybody had a role, even the garbage can robot. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Scores? Scores. Do it. Okay. Go over star first. All right. Uh, here's what I loved about Andor. <laughs> what we just talked about. <laughs> it informs us on how the rebellion started from the ground level, meaning no Jedi, no no hope of I mean, just nothing. This right. is just people. Okay? It informs us on how the rebellion started from the ground level, which in turn makes Rogue One a deeper film. Which, in turn, makes the original trilogy a deeper series. Yep. This show did all of that. That is... It's quite an accomplishment. That's, that's what I liked about it. Here are some questions that I have oh, gosh. for the room. How, how nitpicky is this? No, no, no. I know it shouldn't be that bad. This is, this, this is just... No, they're questions. They're not problems. <laughs> just, it's I'm... a difference. This is what left me feeling empty when the series was over. Okay. Now I know there's going like to be a the season carton two. Of blue milk after Cheryl's done eating. Kind of. I know. There's, I know there's going to be a series two, a season two. I know that. That's what they're, all signs are pointing to. So obviously, I'm withholding complete judgment until that is over, and that's the end of the series and whatever. But Cyril's mom, what happened to her? Number two, who the hell is Uncle Harlow? She mentions Uncle Harlow 15 times. How he's got this big sway and all this stuff. He's got to be somebody, like Grandma Tarkin or something, right? I mean, he's got to be somebody. <laughs> Never find out who that was. Was Luthan a Jedi at some point? He has Ooh. the lightsaber-looking cane when he goes to when he gets frisked, right, yep. at Saw's place. And he doesn't have to be. He's a relic collector. It could be a relic. It's not a big deal. But but then in the speech with the rebel with the uh, excuse me with the Imperial spy, his voice echoes like Palpatine and Vader. And like the dark side users do at the Ooh. very end when he says he gave up everything. And if you listen to his speech, the things he mentions are Jedi related. Love, attachment. It's all things that a Jedi is forbidden to. He's given up all of that. So Ooh. he's given up everything. So it was is he a Jedi at some point? Was he a Jedi? And then the last one is they made a big deal about Andor searching for his sister in the first episode. It's why he got in the ball, bar fight to begin with. And then I think even in like a uh, maybe episode four or five, something like that, they mentioned it again. Yeah. And then they just literally never mentioned it again after that. Well, they said they're all wiped out. So there's nothing left. Right. But then why? Okay. So why not just end it in the first episode? Why bring it up again? Hey, because go search for your sister. Because they're leaving breadcrumbs to keep the story. That's, if anything, that's a red herring. And it may be. But I'm saying it never got revisited. So we went through the whole 12 episodes. 12? 12 episodes? 12 episodes, right? 12 episodes. 12 episode first season, and it doesn't. That is almost like a forgotten plot point. And I thought that was very interesting and weird to set up the whole show with that being the, the thing. It's basically foreshadowing that plot point and then just never mentioning it again after that. Uh, again, I don't so think far. that was a big plot point. So anyway, mm. all that being said, solid nine. Dear it's, God, thank you. It's phenomenal. 
People should watch it that are not Star Wars fans. You don't have to be a Star Wars fan to appreciate it. It could be again if you if this show came on ABC every Wednesday night at eight p.m. Well, it did kind of. I know, but I'm just saying. If it, <laughs> then it would be a series that would be talked about. So yeah. I am very excited for a season two. I hope they do it, and I hope it. I hope it's similar to this one in quality. Maybe they answer some of Gover's questions. They might, like, what what, happened said, to what did I just mom? say? I Why said I'm reserving do? judgment until this. I, Who's Uncle Harlow? The <laughs> Reddit put, thread. Didn't put the milk back in the fridge. Is that milk stale now? Does it go bad? I don't know. Is I it, typed in <laughs> Uncle Harlow and or this entire Reddit thread. Yeah. Who's Uncle Harlow? You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. Those are all speculation. <laughs> right. I want and that's the okay. show to answer the question. Things are good to be left to speculation, especially if it's going to be season two. Yes, and that's why, holy crap, I said I'm reserving judgment until season two is over. Go reserve judgment. These are still the questions that I had after the finale. That's why I'm bringing them up. But, like, why Uncle Harlow? Because they made such a big deal about Uncle Harlow having all this sway. She keeps saying, you know, your Uncle Harlow. And then what kind of job does he go and get? (laughs) Crap job. Not from Uncle Harlow. Wait, he's a minion. He's just sitting in of a all cubicle. Things, Uncle Harlow, like that's what I'm stuck up on. When Uncle Harlow ends up being Grandma Tarkin, you can come kiss my ass. <laughs> Uncle Harlow, good to see you. <laughs> oh, yeah, when ready? Uh, Jimmy Chandler. All right. What is your take on Andor, sir? Uh, while my only complaint was, I think they suffered a little bit with pacing. Maybe around leading up to the mm. heist of the imperial money, uh, I thought that just kind of dragged a little bit. That's almost my only complaint. I've never seen a better ensemble of actors. I've never heard better writing. Uh, I've never seen better, you know, production design in any of the series they've created uh, since Disney Plus became a network. I was just the whole time sitting there with a morphine drip, 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 until I was high at the end of that series. And I am going to give it a solid nine. And I I would give it a 10, but I just don't even know why I can't give it a 10, because it's perfection, but it was pretty darn close. Justin Bradford. Fair. Yeah. At, for me... It came down to so many things that went right for this because I had a feeling in the beginning that we were going to get something special because it wasn't overly teased. I thought it was going to be something that flew under the radar and then grow because I don't think they built the hype up enough for it, but I'm glad that they didn't because you didn't go in with expectations. I just Mm -hmm. wanted it to be a good war movie with spy stuff. That's what I wanted. And I got so much more, which makes me give my rating even higher than I might have originally given it because it overperformed expectations, which I think is an issue with a lot of Marvel and Star Wars stuff because we get so much content that gets hyped that sometimes they don't meet our expectations, which are sometimes ridiculous to meet anyways Impossible as fans. So I'm glad we basically got one trailer and it was dark and you had the bell tower and it felt like war. And that was all we got. That's really all we got. And I'm so glad that's all we got was just this little tease and nothing much more. It was just the start of the rebellion because then it left me questioning, okay, what's this going to be about? I have to check this out. I have to watch every week. I have to watch all the time when it comes out. And it delivered. It delivered so much more because, well, one, when you start seeing some of these characters continue to build and realize, too, what they explored was how much more there is to war 
than just a fight on the battlefield. And I think there's so many people mm-hmm. in general that don't realize that, but especially in Star Wars, you have so many galaxies and systems involved that they explore the money aspect behind it with Mon Mothma. What it takes to fund a rebellion. They need money. They have to be able to purchase weapons and get weapons. With Saw Gerrera, how you have different factions of a rebellion have their different viewpoints. They don't trust each yeah, other. Yeah, they don't trust each other. I don't fight a rebellion. They have the same wants, but they don't have the same way to get to that mm-hmm. eventual want, which is a great way to explore things, too. You have the stealing of the money, which is still another money funding plot, which is connected to Mon Mothma through family that we realize. Right. <laughs> then you get the part of where it's actual the violence part of what you're going to pull off. Then you have this prison break where you get Andy Serkis, who is phenomenal in his role there. And then that connects to what are they actually building? What are they actually building? We get that in the end credit scene of what they're actually building. Then you get full on speeches through a manifesto and through um, a, a eulogy of her own to help lead people into fighting and lead a rebellion and make Cassiander realize what he is a part of, and what he should be a part of. All this, the buildup. I loved it so much. I loved it so absolutely much. Everything involved with it was fantastic to me, and that's why it gets a 9.5. Well done. Well laid out. I got to tell you, if this was a lesser Disney Plus series, it would have ended after the bank heist. Okay? Mm -hmm. If it was just a slightly better series, it would have ended after the prison break. It had so much farther to go beyond every other series they put out that it stands in a class of its own. Let's get to our question, which is also Star Wars related because we have to make it Star Wars related, right? Of course. <laughs> this comes to... If you're listening to the, this far in, it, and you don't like Star Wars, Wars. Right. Yeah. 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 So this question comes from a Justin B. That's me. <laughs> a Justin B, I think it is. So I've seen variations of this from different universes and everything, too, of choosing a battle. But my question to pose is, choose three Star Wars characters to protect you, and every other Star Wars character that you did not choose will try to attack you. Mm, wow. So A stormtrooper, a battle droid, and a... Oh, but you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Jar Jar Binks and two of his unknown friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh and, my. And let me say this. We can all each have the same ones if we yeah. want to. I doubt that's going to happen. No, it's a different thought process. Way here. too many. Characters. Way too many to choose from. But just to keep in mind, so brief explanation. So I have a few minutes here. So go over. Let's go to you because Jim still looks like his gears are turning oh, over there. This is so tough. So are mine. Go ahead okay. and do one. Let's do one at a time. One at a time. You, time to okay. think. you need a droid, right? Got to be IG88. Okay, because for the Mandalorian, <laughs> that dude can fight. He yes. can. He has a self-destruct button in case anything goes wrong. And then he's got like his hands are on. Sw- I can't even do it on that radio, yeah. but it's a swivel thing. His head, his eyes swivel. It's he's a what lazy a fighter. Susan of laser fire. Oh, I like that. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> that is exactly oh, the visual what it is. I'm getting in my head That's right amazing. now. Amazing. Yes, IG88 is my answer for. My first game. Yeah, you stole my first one, too, because I'm going to have him next to me as well. Uh, You can. Uh, Okay. I I just think he was incredibly powerful. So, yeah, if I'm going to have a droid, that's going to be the one, the one that's armed to the teeth. All right, Bradford. Okay, my first choice is Ahsoka Tano. Okay. With Ahsoka, because she knows how to play in the gray area. Yes. When you Uh are battling everyone else, 
you can't always choose what is quote unquote good. Sometimes you have to or do the opposite. Or the opposite. You have to do whatever it takes. And her being a quote unquote gray Jedi, I choose Ahsoka Tano to help protect me because she will do whatever it takes to protect me. I like it. I like it too. All right. And she's awesome. She's awesome. Number two for me is Chewbacca. You got to have brute strength. Okay. You got to have somebody who can pilot a ship because it's Star Wars. Yeah. You can't just sit on one planet forever and do nothing. <laughs> so Chewbacca has all those things and he can play a, a mean game of whatever they call it with the hologram cast. <laughs> Let the Wookiee win. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got you to fill downtime. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Chewbacca is my number two. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to say you could have gone three characters extremely strong with the Force, the most powerful Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. in the galaxy, okay? So if I'm going to, I'm just going to limit myself to one. Okay, that's fair. And I am choosing Yoda. That's great. Uh, We got the the age, we got the wisdom that comes with that. We have, I mean, and we've seen how he can battle. He is, you know, not what he appears to be. He's a beast. He is a beast. <laughs> okay. I am, I'm going to use my force st- strong one for my last one. So my next one is my badass, and that's Cad Bane. Mm, that's a good one. Because nice. the dude knows how Damn, to shoot. I wish I thought of that. The dude is ruthless. Mm. He's a sniper. He'll, again, do whatever it takes to get what he wants. That pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> because I did a good job. It's not because you did a good job. It's because I, I didn't think of it. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gover, you're number three. I don't want to answer now. <laughs> but uh, you have to. I know, Blue I Coon, Kit <laughs> Fisto. <laughs> uh, uh, it's actually the gonk droid. Ahsoka Tano is my... Is you, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that, yeah I, I, again, I tried to really... Go strategy here. Droid that can protect you. Protecting you is the key. So yeah. droid that can protect you. Brute strength that can protect you. And now you need a Jedi, obviously, that can protect you. And so Ahsoka Tano is not only my favorite Star Wars character of all time, wow. but uh, which is some high praise considering she's a newer character, but it's just such a badass. So I would pick Ahsoka Tano because, again, Bradford's right. She lives on both sides. She's not a, she's not a, a Jedi anymore. Like she renounced the Jedi Order, so she obviously is force trained, mm-hmm. but she has a good heart and understands things yes. have to be how they have to be. And we can't. But just I'm also play by not going to be selfish about it, yeah. right? So right. Uh, not like not dark side selfish, right? So right. Sokatano is my number three. My third is uh, going to be Han Solo, because I think you need somebody who's a little courageous. Mm. A little daring, a little arrogant, a little stupid and lucky. And I think luck plays into a lot of it. And he always seems to come out on the better end of things, except for with his son. So with that. So that one little thing. Yeah, that tiny little thing with his kid. You know, he's not a great dad, uh, but he is an excellent fighter. So he's the third I choose. And you need someone that shoots first. Exactly. Thank you for saying it. Uh, <laughs> and I realized that I did pick a Force sensitive. My first one is Ahsoka Tano. Yes, you did. So my third one's also going to be Force That's okay. related. But I'll say why I'm not choosing certain ones first. I'm not choosing Obi-Wan because he let Darth Vader happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm <laughs> not choosing Mace Window because he let Darth Vader happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to choose Anakin Skywalker because he is Darth Vader, but not Darth Vader. I want Anakin Skywalker. No, okay. which which Anakin Skywalker? Like, do you want him as a as the the little kid who's 
pod racing? Or I'm not you... picking a pod racer, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you just you got to so spell it out. You're because... picking adolescent Anakin. Not adolescent. I'm picking like low twenties Anakin. R- rage Anakin. Rage Anakin. Okay. Oh, rage so like Anakin. Revenge of the Sith Anakin before he becomes Darth Vader. Like I'm picking Anakin that did not pick the high ground, but before he did not pick the high ground. Okay. <laughs> so he still has all of his legs and arms. He's not. <laughs> He's not stuck in a pot. He's, he's not Stu. So. <laughs> Stu Skywalker. <laughs> Stu Skywalker. So Anakin. On Anakin that has a little bit of rage, that knows how to force choke a little bit. You know, we'll. <laughs> Dooku. Stu you know, kill Skywalker Dooku sounds bit. like the guy you knew at college that shows up 10 years later and he wants to crash at your house. He's like, <laughs> and your wife says, no. He's, he's got to go. He's Ned in Groundhog Day. <laughs> Who would you choose? If you had three versus everyone, who would you choose as your three? No requirements. No, you can't. You can choose three force for all I care. Yeah, you don't have to go the way I did, which was one droid, one brute strength, and one force. You don't have to go like what Bradford did, two force. One. You don't have to do any of that. You can make your own whatever rules. You want. I'm just curious. Yeah, whatever your three would be, we'd love to hear them because honestly, there's about 12 different right answers here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe more. You've been listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. What an episode. Uh, This has been fun. Uh, You can reach out to us on social, especially on Twitter, uh, where a lot of the fun happens, if it's still around when this episode airs. Jim. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.